Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Game Podcast. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and on this festive week, I'm joined by Patty Bartley, Ben Smith, and broadcasting live from an undisclosed location in Rippenden, Mr. Oliver Kay. Today, we'll be taking a look at the hugely disrupted fixture list in the Premier League, which basically meant there was only football at the Stadium and Light and Ewood Park. We're going to have our usual quick hits feature, where our panelists will this week give us their views on the Champions League draw, the reported Qatari interest in Manchester United, and even, of course, Paul Koncheski's mom, Carol. And in our debate, we'll be taking a look at the Club World Cup. Is it worthwhile? What can we do to improve it? All right, not many games to choose from for our Premier League uh, review this weekend. Um, so let's get started with uh, Blackburn Rovers and West Ham. Now, th- the first thing that, that strikes me, and in, in having read, I think, the uh, <laughs> incredibly angry match report in one of the Sunday newspapers about this, I have to start out with something. Paddy, why was this game even played? Uh, well, I think you have to look at the referee, and as everybody knows, Mike Dean was in charge of that one, very keen to get the game on, which is a, a good impulse. Um, I think no matter what you might think of the, the result I think it probably justified itself I, I particularly enjoyed the picture of uh, Carlton Cole falling in a snowdrift and challenging uh, Paul Robinson to a snowball fight <laughs> that was, that was <laughs> worth, the, worth the admission <laughs> price alone Ali it seems a bit incongruous in the sense that I mean you could see if you know you don't want you want to avoid fixture congestion and so on but at some point, it would have been obvious that you know, sort of six or seven of of the fixtures uh, from the weekend were going to be called off anyway. Um, so why put people through this? I mean, did so many people travel up from 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 London that you didn't want to send them home disappointed? Well, I mean, I, I would take the opposite view. I, I would say that there were there were almost certainly games elsewhere that could have been played and should have been played. And uh, I, I applaud Blackburn for for, for getting it on for, for for the referee for for getting the game on. I, I didn't see um, any reason from what I was watching um, why the game shouldn't have gone ahead. It's, it's, uh, I heard from someone at Blackburn at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning that, they were, that they'd had people out with, with the shovels since 5.30 in the morning. I think that's, that's the way it should be. That's the way it always used to be. And I, I, I didn't see that that game was a, a lottery or anything like that. And I, didn't, I didn't hear of people breaking their necks um, slipping on, on the um, car parks outside. So, uh, yeah, I think Blackburn deserved credit for that. Mm. Well, I think my point was that it was Blackburn and West Ham that maybe the game shouldn't have been played. But l- l- at, at all, at any point in the season. <laughs> 
right now, given the problems these two, these two clubs have, and I, let's talk a bit about Blackburn now. I would like us, and I'm going to get this out of the way now, I would like us not to refer to the owner's line of work in the case of Blackburn, because frankly, you know, it's our animal rights abuses or alleged animal rights abuses aside mm. uh, and, and battery farming and whatever. It's just what they do. So please, let's leave the poultry jokes at a minimum. Otherwise... Are uh, we allowed we, to talk about the pornography element of the other I teams? was going to say, otherwise, oh, for, every, pardon, for every poultry joke, yeah. Patty's got to make a, some kind of sexual depravity yeah, yeah, porn right. joke yep. for the pornographers or Karen Brady no joke, whatever, whichever one you prefer. No problem. Let's I could combine that. the two, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> let's leave that. Uh, <laughs> let's leave that for the time being. But I'm, I'm, I'm interested in this. You get new owners coming in. They don't sack Allardyce um, right away. Mm. But they say, you know, we're ambitious. We want a certain type of football. Um, we don't think Allardyce results or not. We don't. Allardyce doesn't fit the bill. Um, let's move on. Well, what's, what's wrong with that? Why is everybody so incensed, Ben? It's a bewildering decision it's because of the timing, I think, as much as anything else. And because it's now obvious there is no plan there. There was no plan to bring someone in behind Sam. They had nothing lined up. And that's the worrying things for supporters. Ryan, Ryan Nelson's come out and, and made his feelings very clear. The lack of communication between the new owners and those at the club is worrying. I just think it, it doesn't make any sense. There is no clear plan on how they're going to move forward here. Mm. All I would say, and Ollie would be able to confirm or deny this, Given the history of clubs trying to sack managers on the cheap, is it true that Sam Allardyce has had full compensation for the last, for the 2.5 million remaining on the last year of his contract? Is that your understanding, Ollie? It, it's only what I've read. I, I haven't cool. heard that. If, if that's if we haven't had one of those angry um, emails, round robin emails from the LMA, so um, <laughs> you know maybe the decent thing has been done. Um, so you think Sam Allardyce made 2.5 million pounds a year? Yes, I, I mean that's controversial in itself. I mean the funny thing is that sack Sam and he suddenly becomes. Um, um, it's like it's like singers who unfortunately perish and their albums go through the roof. Um, you know, sack Sam, and he suddenly becomes the object of our crocodile tears and so on. When he was actually a manager, he got nothing but criticism. Um, I, I mean, I think I agree completely about um, the tactics of the new ownership, whatever they may, be, may do away from football. Um, and I'm sure they're very good at it. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I just feel that sometimes we, 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 we get too... We bring out the violins too readily for, uh, for managers. Ollie, I'm still shocked by what Paddy just said, that Sam Allardyce made £2.5 million pounds a year. It's not a paltry sum, is it? <laughs> here we go, here we go. I told you. I warned you. Now somebody's got to make a sex joke. Do you? I would eat, Paddy. <laughs> yeah, I just can't. Um, but, Ollie, I, I'm trying to think. Can we count the, the, on, on more than one hand the number of Premier League managers who, who make more than Sam Allardyce? Um, well, at risk of um, making the, the past couple of minutes of discussion um, irrelevant, I, I really don't think that that is a sum of money he earned. Okay. I, I, I think he, he went to... He went to Newcastle on big money, and when he returned uh, with uh, with Blackburn, uh, my understanding was that he was on, under a lot less money, uh, earning a lot less money. So, I think the figure, the 2.5 million that was referred to, may have been uh, the the fees, you know, the money outstanding on his contract with all bonuses or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, Ollie, the, the the voice of reason. But uh, mm-hmm. Ollie, here's the thing, right? So, you know, Ben just said doesn't seem to be a plan there, and so on, and certainly that's the way it's been played on the media. 
my confusion here, maybe again you can shed some light on this, is these folks at Kentaro. Now, for those who don't know, um, mm. Kentaro mm. is a Japanese superhero, but it's also a company that uh, buys and sells television rights. Uh, they've merged with um, a, a player agency, SEM, so now they control players as well. And they've got some kind of advisor role at uh, at Blackburn as well. And I, I spoke to somebody at Blackburn who was not happy with Allardyce leaving and saying, basically said, you know, we're now uh, an extension of a player agency and that's all we are. Um, what's your understanding of the role Kentaro is playing, Ollie? And also, um, surely these Kentaro guys, you know, they're Swiss, they know their football, they're, they're, they're sort of clever. And even if you believe that if you don't believe Venki knows what they're doing, shouldn't you think Kentaro knows? Do, do you think that they have a plan? I think they have a plan. I, I, I was speaking to someone the other day um, who suggested that the, the, the vision was to go uh, away from the previous um, model of Blackburn surviving season after season, um, perhaps scrapping, scrapping for safety, which I think they've had to do and done very well under, under Mark Hughes and Sam Allardyce the last five or six years, uh, even Graham Sinus before that. I think apparently their, their vision suddenly is to go um, to... to, to bring in young players, young players that maybe they can sell on at a profit, but they, they can develop. It, there was talk of developing things the Arsenal way, which all sounds very, you know, very utopian almost, but then um, you get Miss, um, I forget her name, I'm really sorry, but uh, the, the chairwoman of, um, of Venkis um, saying that they considered Diego Maradona um, to be their next manager, which to me is the most alarming thing of all of all of this it would make a lot more sense if Blackburn since the Jack Walker revolution didn't um, have a, a jolly good record of uh, producing and bringing on their own players there's one in the team at the moment I mean it's not as if they haven't been trying that I mean there's one who's tipped to be an England centre half over the next two or three years Jones um, David Dunn, Damien Dunn. Exactly. I mean, they've, they've already got a superb record for youth development and lots, you know, who didn't quite make it at Premier League, but um, but are have, still having good careers. So, I mean, I think that it reminds me very much of when Ashley took over at Newcastle and came up with the same brilliant idea that none of us had ever thought of before <laughs> and brought in um, these weird characters with titles of development and youth. Vettere, by the way, I heard he'd come back into the game. He was described as a scout for Real Madrid he's, you know, a, chief, he's if, a chief scout if he was the one who found uh, Di Stefano and Pushkas then you know heavens everyone would want him um what is Blackburn's natural realistic dimension here? Because I'm assuming that if people get into this um Kintaro or, or or the Venki you know the 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 end goal the the end game is to have a self-sustaining product in the Premier League. The fact of the matter is that Blackburn, we all know its geographic location. There's a tremendous competition in terms of football clubs. Yeah. Um, Blackburn itself is one of the uh, um, more low-income um, areas in in the country. Uh, it's difficult to attract crowds. I think no matter what kind of football you play, um, and it's even more difficult I think to just have this model where you know as, as Patty said like oh it'll be easy we'll just get the best young players and then sell them on as a profit <laughs> um, do, 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 you, do we think this makes sense or, or is, is there a serious risk that this could just become a big showcase for Kintaro players it, it yeah. seems there's a real detachment from reality in, the, in these ideas you know we'll spend 5 million in the January transfer window that'll get us up competing for the top four I mean it's not as if Blackburn have tried to just 
narrowly avoid relegation every season. I'm sure they want more for themselves. But to actually get up and make that next step is a huge investment. I'm not mm. sure if these people realise that. No, and they, they spent the five million on bribes. Yeah, <laughs> the idea, the idea of, of of clubs as nurseries is a very very good one. I, I'm 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 in favour of it at, at every level of the game. You know, produce as many players as you can. Concentrate on home production. Um, you know, s- sell if if you do produce good ones. You have the choice to sell or 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 keep but um, w- what what we have at Blackburn it seems to me is a serious danger we were told when um, uh, Carlos Tevez uh, left Manchester United joined Manchester City that this was the end of third party ownership well it may have been of players in the Premier League but now we have a club under third party ownership and that's very well, dangerous they, 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 because sorry, they, I have to say this, Kentaro don't actually own them no no but we, we have the danger of it we, we have the, the, the danger and it, it is already present in other countries um, for example um, the, you know the, the origin of, of Mascarano and Tevez um, was, was an example of a company exerting what I would consider undue influence over a football club and there are many many other examples abroad it has now it seems to me there's a danger of it arriving in the Premier League and I think the <coughs> Scudamore and company should be working on this straight away because I'm, I'm sure Kentaro is an absolutely uh, honourable company come on it's but by two guys it, named there, Philip it's got to be good both <laughs> there are there are but there are unfortunately unscrupulous people out of here who would offload on a poor club like Blackburn the players that they couldn't get rid of anywhere else I, I have to ask given um, the situation that the club are in. Um, if you were a Blackburn fan, would you swap Venky for Sullivan, Golden, Brady? It's a very good question. The lesser of two evils. I'm not sure who that is. <laughs> um, I, I'll pass on that one. I've got, I've got no idea. I mean, they're both. West Ham's situation is bleak. I mean, beyond the owners, which are, you know, who knows what they want to do with that football club. You know, they're, they're staring up from the bottom of the league. Avram Grant, bottom at Christmas again. One point worse off than he was with Paul Smith last season. And it's a, it's a worrying time for West Ham fans. Well, let's move on to happier things and, and, and two happier clubs, Sunderland and Bolton. Um, a lot of us, well, mainly me, have talked about how wonderful Owen Coyle is. Steve Bruce hasn't quite gotten as much credit, although Sunderland are also up there. Maybe it has to do with the fact that Steve Bruce has spent a lot more money than Owen Coyle. Um, but these are two northern clubs. These are two English clubs with, with British managers and I think a primarily British um, squad or maybe it's close to 50-50. Mm-hmm. And they're both playing good football, on the ground, successful, professional. Mm-hmm. Should we be celebrating these clubs a yes. little bit more rather than you know yes. going on and I, on about I the same issues? For, for me, the, the the most memorable match of the season so far was uh, Chelsea nil Sunderland three. Could easily have been Chelsea nil Sunderland five or six. And it was, for me, I thought it was a joyous, uh, I'm sure Chelsea fans didn't agree, but it, it was wonderful to see a team come and attack the champions on their own ground and succeed and I thought it was really really exciting and it seemed to to me to symbolise the um, defiant 
uh, nature of this league. In my opinion, if you take away agents and owners, this has been the most enjoyable season since the Premier League was formed in 1992. Maybe not the best, but certainly the most enjoyable. Um, there's been an absence of um, uh, fatalism, you know, hoping to get away with less than 3-0 at a big club, and Sunderland have, have to me, epitomised it. Um, you know, let's not forget as well that they've got a ground that holds 48,000 people, same as Manchester City, um, and they've aspirations to become a pretty big club themselves. I, th I think they've been absolutely terrific. I've been saying all season that Bolton... I didn't think Megson was a bad manager. I mean, if you look at many of the most important players there, um, I also don't think the difference in style is as much as people say. Um, you know, with Davis... The, the script is very clear here. Megson, bad, Coyle, good. Yes, what part true, do I understand? He's a ginger Mourinho. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I, th I just think... I think Bolton... I've, I've, I'm, Bolton's success doesn't surprise me. Um, but it, it's just it's just been a terrific season all round, and um, I've, I've only got a problem if you talk about Sunderland. I do have a problem with this Catamol character. Let's talk about that um, Catamol on Johan Almander. Yeah. Some people thought that um, <laughs> it was really bad. Uh, Ollie, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought it was a pretty uh, grim challenge. It was. Um, uh, it was at least a yellow card, and he'd already been booked. And um, I was staggered that he he wasn't sent off. It seemed oh, like um, had to go. It seemed like the referee was um, thinking, "Oh God, this guy's suffered enough. He gets enough. Um, he gets enough red cards." Or, or maybe he was thinking, um, "Hang on, this that, this guy's inviting a, a, a second yellow card so obviously here that he must be part of some Jose Mourinho type conspiracy." He was already suspended because of the totting up procedure and therefore would miss Old Trafford. For me, that's unprofessional because the first booking was just silly. He, he, he tried to... I mean, people said he but it was unlucky. I mean, he whacked out he whacked out with his right arm, missed, and then barged the guy yeah. over. And it people were saying he was unlucky. But, but, Incredibly, he's kept to record. But they were only one nil up, weren't they? So it, it, it's... Um, yeah. I, I, it I mean, I think he's... Uh, to be quite honest, he plays brainless. You know, at one time out of two, and I think I think he's a big weakness to that team. But when he gets his head right, as he did at Stamford Bridge, he's he can got be the very ability. Effective. But I mean, he you know, he's, he's never going to be Claude Makélélé, is he? Um, I, I want to go back to what is one of my obsessions. So please bear with me. Um, I thought Asamoah and Darren Bent did not work again as a partnership. Um, you know, individually very good. Um, you know, when um, Welbeck, you know, in the end made the difference from the wing and so yeah, on. Yeah. I, does anybody think that, that he can make this work? Because I, I think they're a lot better when they just have one of those dudes up front and then, you know, you, you, you got some Malbranc or some El Mohammadi on the mm -hmm. wing or whatever and Welbeck and it just seems much more rational to me. Why is he doing this? I think it's a, a case when you've got your your top goal scorer and you've got your record signing and you have to accommodate the pair of them somehow whether that's for the good of the team or not it, it isn't at the moment by the looks of it but I think they miss that creativity of Mel Bronk or someone a bit of inventiveness in midfield perhaps and mm. he's sacrificing you know that for accommodating these guys it's a tricky situation and, and John, do you think John would mind coming off the back given how cold and horrid it is right now <laughs> no if you just said like hey you know what you're my super sub you scored a lot of goals people will view you as a good signing anyway and just come off the bench and I think those those of us who watched Jan during the World Cup, and I think I'm sure Ollie um, were impressed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, didn't realise how good he was. 
I mean, he's come into the English League. I think he's been absolutely magnificent. I mean, you will not see better technique from a centre-forward than the ball that he pulled down, the first touch, where he pulled down a ball just beyond the far post. He pulls it down, waits, and gets a shot on target. OK, the goalkeeper saved it. But that was sense. That was Marco van Basten te- technique. He really is a, a fine footballer, Jasper. In our debate this week, we're going to look at the Club World Cup. Or This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. World Club Cup, as some of us call it. Um, Now, for those who don't know, Inter Milan are champions of the world. And it's all down to Rafa Benitez. No, of course it isn't because he only had to win two games to go there to uh, to, to actually win it. And it's mostly down to um, uh, Jose Mourinho. But more of this later. What, what I'm always interested in is, I mean, in some countries like, like my country, like South America, like Spain, this is legitimately a big deal. In this country, probably because for a long time English clubs, or maybe because long time English clubs, you know, didn't win it back when it was the Intercontinental Cup mm. and it was the head to head, it was seen as a tin pot, weird, faraway thing. And of course, the European Cup was seen as a tin pot and even the World Cup for a long time in this country. But I am wondering is, is there is there a way to make this a better competition? In fact, first of all, should we try to make this a better competition at all? Should there be a, a club equivalent of the World Cup that can somehow synthesize a, the, the, the champions, the Libertadores, and so on? Or should FIFA just kind of stay out of club football and you know leave that to the to, to, to the various confederations? Ollie. I think there's certainly a, a, a good cause for saying that it should be a more prestigious, uh, wider, um, more widely recognised um, tournament than it is. I mean, when Man United won it um, a couple of years ago, Alex Ferguson was aghast at how little credit they got at the time. So, so, so they they got very little credit for, for for winning that. When Liverpool went and played in in uh, in Tokyo in 2005, they got very re- little recognition and very little reaction when they lost the game. And it just seems that we in England are particularly um, ignorant of it. But it really isn't the the showcase event it should be. First of all, it's absolutely right that 
all the, uh, the, the, win- the winners of the various confederations should be there. But I, I just wonder whether maybe it should be widened, if we're serious about it, maybe it should be widened in terms of um, maybe the losing finalists or maybe play every two years and have the, the, the two champions from the previous two years. But then you go into the dangerous area of do we really need that tournament, which I think is your um, initial question. And if we are to have that tournament, I think something else has to give somewhere else. And it's um, whether it's uh, abbreviating the Champions League or enforcing um, clubs to... Um, play fewer games in their domestic leagues or taking away some of the um, international dates. Something has to give if if this um, competition is going to be uh, embellished in any way. Ollie gave a somewhat political fence-sitting answer, which is the answer I would have given, so Mm. I can't fault him for that. Um, Ben, do you have a strong view? Do we need this tournament? I think the idea of having a a club world champion is is a great one. I think people like... I mean, people know who the best team in the world are right now, but I think to have that the official world champions is a, is a nice idea. Ollie, Ollie's thought of widening it is it would be great in, in practice, but actually the reality of fitting it into an, a football calendar that's already jam-packed, where players probably don't get enough time off, is difficult. I'm not sure how we do that. Well, a Paddy? Mm, I don't know what to do with the thing. Um, I, I'm tempted at the moment on balance, much as I will it, to be successful I went to one of the early ones in in Brazil Um, and and I hoped it would kick on from that Um, it hasn't done I mean there will be hidden benefits in terms of uh, the strengthening of of uh, Oceania and African sides and that is vital for the future of football I agree but at the moment I must admit I'm leaning towards uh, Gabs's final choice which is drop it well, uh, the if, if if we are going to improve it, if we aren't going to drop it altogether, um, a few years ago, uh, I think it was the summer of 2001, I believe, or 2003, um, FIFA had this idea for the second annual, and it would have built upon the one uh, uh, Patty's referring to back in 2000 when you remember United had to skip the uh, the, the FA, FA Cup. Cup. Yeah. Um, and and basically it was going to be a, a, a competition held every two years. They were going to invite the winners from the previous two years and so on. And it was, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, it was sixteen teams or something like that. Um, and it was going to be, be held in Spain in the summer. Um, you can actually go on the internet. You can go on on, on, on Wiki and and see sort of the tournament that never was mm-hmm. um, with the teams who would have been there and so on. And uh, it, that edition was 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 cancelled because mm-hmm. of the collapse of uh, of ISL and. And my unease with this is, as we said, a lot of football on the calendar. Rather than adding this, and then one suggestion could be you could have it, um, you you, you know, you could could have it sort of in in odd numbered years when there is no Euro Mm -hmm. or a World Cup, although we still have an issue with the Copa America and so on. Um, But my unease with this is is as simple as the fact that there's so much football to be played already. And I kind of dig the idea that, you know, now we know that TP Mazembe, you know, are probably nowhere near as good as Inter Milan. But I kind of like the fact that for a while, you mm. know, fans in Lumumbashi could cradle that idea and say, like, hey, you know what? We're meeting them on equal terms. Yeah. We're meeting them yeah. on equal terms, yeah. And then, for, you know, and for that one week after they beat, um, you know, uh, Internacional, 
they could sit there and say, you know what? Mm. We're better than the champions mm. of South America. Mm. Stop laughing at us. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a, I think that's a wonderful thing to have. And the, and as Paddy said, we need to spread that around that feeling to to other parts of the world where where club football isn't a big deal. I think the skepticism in this country is is something that may take time to get over. And mm. I think it probably stems all the way back to 2000 when when United had to pull out of the FA Cup and all mm. that stuff I think that that probably still lingers but I think the pure idea of spreading the game and strengthening club football around the world is a great one I yeah. just wonder whether the reality if of African it, players imagine if African players could were all just suppose you stopped them from leaving and all African players played in Africa I mean you'd have one hell of a uh, champions I, and I think that's champions the other problem league, isn't it? the strength of European football when Europe cherry picks the best of mm. the world talent and you say that but historically if that was the case then no, European agree. teams would have always beaten South America but, once, it, but that's in, not been the case I agree but isn't that in a way it's South America's chance to these players get their chance to shine on a stage where they can show off their talents and perhaps get that move and, and you know what this is this is the, 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 the most absurdly Eurocentric idea that I've heard <laughs> no honestly since, since, since the World Cup I remember I was on the radio with Phil Neville and it was before the um, uh, it was before the England-Algeria game and he was going to talk about how excited the Algerian players were, were, were going to be that they could face the Premier League stars and they probably all grew up watching Premier League football they're going to be in the shop window for the for the Premier League I mean come on but isn't there I a, mean I, please proceed Mr. Scudamore yeah, yeah, but isn't there an argument to say there's more motivation there for these South American no, teams no there isn't they're motivation no, 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 is to but, be world no, no, champions but, yeah, but, yeah, but that's what I mean it's a bigger deal to them than it is to European teams isn't it no, it's not it's just as big a deal it's just, but, it's but, just, do, it's, but do Inter Milan really care as much uh, as, yes, much as the rest do. of them they do, do because we have a sense of history because we grew up with the fact that 19, especially in the case of Inter Milan 1965 and 1966 back when it was two-legged and you had to travel to to, to, to to South America to win it. You know, and I'm sure, I mean, Celtic may never be in it ever again because they may never win the uh, the, the Champions League uh, uh, ever again because of sociopolitical reasons. But I guarantee you, and Patty, you can help me up on this, but mm. you talk to old-school Celtic fans and they'll tell you about, you know, how historic it was when they flew over to, 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 to mm. got, got kicked uh, the lumps in the battle. I also and, think, to be fair you know, to Manchester on. United, for a year after they won the World Cup, uh, the, world, uh, the club World Cup, uh, the announcer would say, "Now welcome at Old Trafford." Before every league match, would say, "Now welcome the European, the champions of Europe and the world." Um, so, I mean, yeah, it it has, it has a nice resonance about it. Do you, do you want to hear something that that, that will reflect the um, the sort of parochial attitude that we have to it? Um, mm -hmm. When Man United won it in two thousand eight, they re returned um, they returned uh, obviously victorious and and. Set Blatter was coming to uh, Old Trafford for a game in, um, I think it was the, when they played Inter Milan early that February or March of, that, uh, of 2009, to present them with the um, the badge of honour of having uh, of being world champions. Uh, they went to the Premier League to say, right, we'd like this um, embroidered onto our kit. And the Premier League said, no, no, you can't because it's not one of our our competitions. Yes, <laughs> you, you, yes, you could if it was uh, the. the um, the Champions League, but we don't actually recognise this competition. So that that is a, one of the problems that we're dealing with in England. If you, ben was talking about the the sort of stigma or the, or the ignorance that we have, and I mean you've got to remember we didn't enter the first World Cups, we didn't enter the first European Cups until Matt Busby took United in, um, did he, or until the Scottish teams had started even before that. So it, I mean. I think we're. Uh, I mean, t to be having this debate in England um, is, is probably. Um, it's probably good that we're having it at least. But um, I, I think it, it is taken more seriously um, 
elsewhere. And in fact, United fans actually um, actually sing about being world champions, don't they? Sing world champions twice, um, yep. once more than England. I'm really sounding like a United fan. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I wish to disassociate uh, or disabuse myself of that. But um, no, it, it, it's interesting because United um, have won it recently, and, and which is is it the only English team to have won it at all isn't it so um, and they, they do wear that as, as a badge of honour um, figuratively if not literally I haven't lived in Liverpool win it once uh, Liverpool lost no, to no, they lost 2-0 to Flamengo Forest Nunez Nunez maybe that's the problem right then to wrap up our Club World Cup um, discussion should we keep the Club World Cup as it is and when it is Paddy yes Ben. Yes. Ollie. No. Can you elaborate? It should be expanded, but at the expense of whether it's international dates or whether it's um, Champions League dates or whether it's the, um, the, the, the the domestic club seasons. Something has to give. Um, whether it's for the for the World Cup, Europe, the European Championship, Copa America, all these competitions are worth having, but. Um, at the moment we've got too much we've got too much football we've got too many demands on the players something has to give and I, I think if somebody um, were to look um, at how the, fo- the, the football calendar is and uh, restructure it somehow um, that would be fantastic it's just a shame that the um, decision would be left to people at FIFA well there you have it I'm actually kind of with Ollie on this one surprisingly all right, time now for uh, everybody's favorite segment of the show, the quick hits, for those of us who like to be hit quickly. Several media reporting that the Qatari royal family are contemplating a £1.5 billion bid for Manchester United. Paddy, would this be good for United, and would it be good for English football? And can you please answer without using the term picks? Oh, God, you got me there. Uh, right, okay, it would certainly be good for United. Uh, to have uh, you know leadership that has money without um, debts of any kind um, would be a very very good thing would it be good for English football no way I keep saying let's follow Germany and let's have a uh, an ownership structure that encourages well indigenous ownership uh, but above all not uh, monopoly ownership Indigenous. That's a bit of a controversial word there. Mm. You know, these guys could just buy a British passport. You do realize that. Ollie, some of us predicted that Gerard Houllier might not have been the ideal choice as Aston Villa manager, and he's certainly having a rocky time. If you were Randy Lerner and could step into the old time machine and travel back to September, would you appoint somebody else, and why? I would appoint someone else. I, I didn't really... Um see the logic behind the Julier appointment at the time. I think he's, he's, he's an extremely good, intelligent coach, but he, but someone whose time perhaps in the Premier League has come and gone. Um, and I thought that he would have difficulties um, in picking up where O'Neill left off, and, and, and that's been borne out. And um, with hindsight, Owen Coyle, Roberto Di Matteo, even, if, um, if you could persuade um, West Brom to let him go. Or Ian Holloway. Or even Sean O'Driscoll, which is what I said at the time. The Champions League draw on Friday gave Arsenal the toughest task out of the Premier League teams. They get to take on mighty Barcelona. Ben, please assess their chances in 25 seconds or less. It's a daunting proposition for any any team in Europe. I think Barcelona were absolutely outstanding for the first 20-25 minutes at the Emirates last season. Somehow Arsenal got out of there with a a 2-2 draw. 
I think everyone probably agree that Barcelona are an even better side this season. It's very hard to see how you can beat them. But Arsenal are a better side too. Have some faith. I have no faith. Sir Alex Ferguson has now surpassed Sir Matt Busby as Manchester United's longest-serving manager ever. Paddy, you read a book called uh, Football Bloody Hell, which is all about Sir Alex, which is, and by the way, is available in time for Christmas in mm. all good bookstores. Or Kwanzaa or Hanukkah, well, maybe next year's Hanukkah. Um, now, please tell us, who had the biggest impact on the club? Well, I tend to go, um, well, both really, um, but I, I tend to go for the man who started it all. And Matt Busby was unquestionably the father. Just as, you know, people say who was better, Shankly or Paisley. For me, Shankly by a million miles. Um, because without Shankly, there would have been no Paisley. It's not quite the same comparison. But I would say that many of the methods of Sir Matt Busby have been used by Sir Alex Ferguson. Um, to his great credit and very well and he's, he's won even more consistently but who knows what would have happened without Munich but Matt Busby's Manchester United might well have won three Champions Leagues in a row a lot of people think they were good enough to take over from Real Madrid so I would say if you twisted my arm until it nearly broke Busby and of course in honour of Sir Matt Busby and Sir Alex Ferguson we suspended the 25 second answer rule thanks Alan Sugar, the former Tottenham Hotspur owner turned television star, reckons the FA is so messed up it would take government intervention to save it. Ollie, you're a lefty who wants to nationalize everything. Is he right? And isn't government intervention in national FAs the kind of thing FIFA frowns upon and usually reacts to by suspending the national team? If you look at what happened in Nigeria after the World Cup, uh, their government wanted to pull them out of international football for two years um, to punish their FA for apparent corruption, um, which is a, a far more extreme situation than, than what our government is um, is proposing, which is a <laughs> another review and another um, investigation into how, um, how football is run. I think it's right for that kind of investigation to be done because it can't be done by the FA at the moment because it's it, it's leaderless and um, we shall see how it goes but uh, it's <laughs> I have limited faith Thank you, Comrade K. Paul Koczewski's mom, Carol, has become something of a cause celebre, going on Facebook and calling Liverpool fans scow scum. Ben, is this just an unfortunate case of maternal instinct manifesting itself in the wrong way? And should Liverpool fans really be annoyed by this or maybe even see the humorous side of being offended by this nobody who happened to give birth to uh, a millionaire footballer? I think it's unfortunate for Koczewski, but it's probably the least of his problems at, at the moment. I think uh, had he had his performances been better on the pitch, had his defending been better, um, I don't think it would have come to this. And he's been labelled unfairly, fairly unfairly as Roy Hodgson's man, and you know that isn't the most popular thing to be on Mersey's side at the moment. Um, his, his defending has probably been as poor as his mum's spelling. I, I think that's probably where his problems lie. <laughs> it's not your fault if you're not a very good footballer. I mean, it's you know, at least you're not a bad person. No, you're not a bad footballer either. But uh, as he proved at Fulham. But uh, anyway, Gab, one for you. Real Madrid defeated Sevilla 1-0 last night to stay two points behind Barcelona. Did you notice anything that makes you think they'll win the title? 
Look, they're two points back. They have the head-to-head against Barcelona. They can win that. I think Barcelona will run out of steam to some degree, and they're in the hunt. But what I would get really angry about if I were Jose Mourinho was the fact that they were so easily rattled by Sevilla last night. Sevilla went physical. They went a little bit dirty. They hit a lot of long balls. And, you know, it, the, the whole game became a, a disciplinary mess. There were 10 yellows, two red cards. Um, some players like Ozil, I thought, were, were really had a really difficult time. And, you know, you can play defensively, which is what, and, and on the counter, which is what Jose has done in the past. But if you do that, you have to, to, to do it while, while giving the appearance of staying in control. And Ramadud aren't quite there yet. I suspend the 25 second rule on myself there as well. It's Christmas. Exactly. We'll be back next week with another episode of the game. In the meantime, you can go to www.thetimes.co.uk for all your news, your gossip, your analysis, and also our web chats. I do mine on Mondays, Patty's is on Tuesdays, and of course, Ollie K's eagerly awaited slow typing web chat is on Wednesdays. Also, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm on there, at Marcotti. Ollie's on there, at Oliver K. Times. Patty's on there, at P. Barkley Times. And, of course, Ben Smith is on there, too, at Ben Smith underscore Times. We'll be back next Monday for all the Christmas football action with a very busy festive fixture list, weather permitting, of course. Thank you so much for your time. Have a happy winter holiday, and we'll catch you next week. Till then, bye-bye. Your History is a new podcast brought to you from The Times, and it brings together the real-life stories from our obituaries desk, which have been published for over a century. In this brand new show, we build on this legacy and explore the endlessly fascinating lives who have enriched and informed our own. Join me and our sponsor, Ancestry, as we journey through your history. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. This is Roundabout Season 2, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. (laughs) (laughs) You will be right. (laughs) Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like... You know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> this was like wilderness. A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. Like, you were real different, bro. I can't really put my finger on it. And so much more. Just goes to show that unexpected yeah. things sometimes are the best when it comes to a road trip. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now with new episodes rolling out every Thursday. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.